nice things. Hello, good evening, and welcome to another fun packed, thrill filled edition of Nice Things. Nice Things. The antidote to modern living. And joining me, Sir Michael Livesley, this week we have. My name is Paul Carmichael, and this week the dog ate my earphones. Look at these. Is this a no. Freddy Star story? It, it essentially is, except it doesn't involve anything going up my bum, thankfully. But, I mean, the state of these damn things. Look, he's proper, proper eating the, the, the headphones here. Now, I took these to Dubrovnik when I was sat there talking to you. They survived Dubrovnik, you know, <laughs> when I was there settling things down after the war. They couldn't survive a bloody six-month-old dog, though. Completely gone. So I have different headphones in and they hurt. Yeah, I've got some that just keep falling out. It's shit. Yeah, well, these ones, no, I, they're, they're, they're spiky, and I think they, they should have some sort of foam thing on, and they haven't, so spiky. they just hurt. Spiky. What? Spiky. What's that? I don't know, it's some hippie at Glastonbury who went round saying that once. <laughs> oh, it's not a popular culture reference, then. No, no, it's, it's part of a, a broader tale. There was, oh. there was there was a Saturday morning. It is Glastonbury this weekend, isn't it? Is, it is, absolutely. I've watched a bit of that. Have you? Well, I did. Uh, no, I know, but I, well, the reason is because this morning, I don't know if you've noticed, but basically Russia's started to collapse. Don't know if you noticed. So I'll tell you what I know about that. Go on, because I was going to clear this up with you, as as regular listeners struck viewers will know. Um, <laughs> it's good to get the digest of the week's news from you. It is. I quite okay, like it because because it, it goes through your sort of prism as well. Yes. Yes. Um, so anyway, uh, okay, so what I know is, right, there's a company, is is this right? In in Russia, there's a company called Wagner who are like the Blackwater mercenaries. You're making them sound like they're a theatre group. There's a company called Wagner. Uh, yes, yeah, a lovely <laughs> production of... I mean, S- they're basically a private army of mercenaries, though. Yeah, like but, Blackwater were. Right, okay, yeah, yeah. And he's uh, bombed 2,000 of them? No? What, Putin? Yeah. Apparently, yes, he'd sort right, of just... Right, see, now, finger on the pulse shit, okay. man. So, apparently, so whether it was by accident or design, it looks like he may have attacked his own mercenaries, and they've gone, right, not having this. But weren't and, they doing a coup against him? Well, they are now. Ah. They weren't there, yes. <laughs> Brill. There we Brill. go. No, Brill. before they were like, right, let's march on Ukraine. Right now, they've turned around and they're marching towards Moscow, which is wow. like, ooh, Blimey, it's all gone very 1917, dear. Um, although, can't really call it a coup unless it comes from the coup d'etat area of uh, France, can you? So it's more of a sparkling revolution. Is this an like EU rule, like you can't call Parma ham Parma ham unless it, it, it's from... It is, basically, right, basically right, yeah. Right. Uh, anyway, so that's happening out there. Um, but the reason that that then le- leads to Glastonbury, for me, oh, is right. because there wasn't enough Russia on the news this morning when I got up. I wanted to see what was going on because I had the little breaking news thing on here and it said basically this chap who's mental, this bloke. It's not like he's going to make everything okay. Um, Who, he's a criminal. Putin? No, the other bloke, the Wagner who's the chap. Who's the other bloke? I can't oh, oh, is that a him. chap? I thought it was it's the a name of a company. No, no. Well, there's the, this mercenary chap who runs it and basically he was in jail for about 10 years as a petty thief. Then he got a burger stand. Then he worked his way up, and eventually he's working as a chef to Putin. So if you imagine a psychotic Gordon Ramsay, but who could potentially have 4,000 nuclear weapons, that's what we're talking about. So I'm imagining funny, the, the pissed chef in Faulty Towers. A bit like that. Yeah. He looks a bit like Kurt the chef as well, actually. He does, yeah. Does he love Manuel? Yeah, I bet you he does. He looks mental. I'm telling you now, he looks mad. So this morning, I thought, well, I'm going to have a little look on the news. And there just wasn't enough... 
of because uh, they're all talking about other stuff, you know, that submarine that unsurprisingly imploded. Right, I want to talk to you stuff. about that as well. You we'll, need to give me the lowdown. Oh, we'll have a chat about that. But um, yeah, so I was skipping across the news channels thinking, okay, well, let's see, BBC. Okay, fair enough. But they were talking an awful lot about Glastonbury. And I'm like, what well, Glastonbury? Thank you. Middle so I went to ITV and they were being all, you know, basically trying to be the equivalent of the Daily Mirror on television. Hmm. And I can't watch that because every time it comes back from a break, it says, Good morning, Britain, live from Television Centre. And I go, Absolutely, how dare you? I what, can't. Proper TVC? Yes. Oh. They're in TC3, where I used to be for Blue Peter, mate. I can't fucking. I'm not having it. I will not watch it. I will not well, watch it. I just wouldn't watch it anyway. It's shit. Well, no, it is shit, but I won't watch it. I can't watch it when it's like ITV. As far as I'm concerned, <laughs> the commissioners on the gate should be checking and going, well, ITV, out. Simple as that. Not welcoming them into TC3. And as I understand it, Anton Deck's Saturday Night Takeaway is in TC1. And Lorraine is in TC2. That's all the studios at Television Centre currently being occupied by ITV Daytime. What, what they should be facing is Harry Fielder at uh, Teddington Lock. Yes, they should. Yeah. Yes, they should. And immediately, he wouldn't take any of that. Was it Kim Goody and Mel Smith? Yes. What was that called? It's What was it called? Anyway. I don't know. Do you anyway. that show? No. Mel Smith and Kim Goody. Who's and Kim Goody? And they kind Goody? of broke into town. Who's Kim Goody? Kim Goody. Smith and Goody. Whilst whilst he was doing Smith and Jones, Mel Smith did a thing with Kim Goody called uh, Smith and Goody, and they had a kids program uh, where they took over Thames. Yeah, let's have a look for you. Oh, was this an ITV? Oh, come on, I wouldn't yeah, know. You should know who bloody Kim Goody was. You? Well, I'm fairly certain Kim. Sorry, Goody, Bob Goody. Bob Goody. Kim oh, there we are then. Kim Goody. Oh, sounds right. like. So do you know who Bob Goody is? No, not really. He was in Not the Nine O'Clock News. All right, so the show was called Smith and Goody. Oh, what, for Thames? Yeah. Yeah, be awful. Like when they did that one starring Pauline Quirk called Pauline's Quirks. No. Absolutely Just not. No. Absolutely you were tweeting not. about being upset that uh, Pauline Quirk and Linda... Robson. ...had fell out. I wasn't upset about it. I just thought it was interesting because there was this Birds of a Feather documentary that I was watching and I hate the programme. I genuinely don't like the programme. It's common. But lots of lovely archive, lots of behind-the-scenes stuff. But, you know, whenever you watch these things, these retrospectives, you go, oh, one of the leads isn't there. Isn't that strange? Well, League of Gentlemen, I remember an interview with them on the first DVD set and they said, oh, yeah, we've been talking about how 30 years there'll be a doc and, uh, and we were all uh, having a discussion about who'd be the grumpy one who wouldn't come back. <coughs> wonder who it will be. Reese Shearsmith, I reckon. Inside number nine this year is fantastic, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, he'll probably... But it's always so. fantastic. Anyway, yeah. uh, Anyway, so, so I was scrolling Putin. through the television channels trying to basically find something to watch uh, about Russia. And there was bugger all on um, BBC One. ITV are in the wrong building, therefore we can't watch them. Uh, Sky News, you know, a little bit. I know, a little bit, but not enough Sky to actually news. keep me going. So I kept scrolling up CNN and some sort of, I don't know, Uzbekistani news or something. I don't know. And I eventually settled on GB News, which, yeah, with Anne Diamond. So you go, oh, Anne. Now, my immediate thing that I noticed here 
is that the chap who she was presenting with, who looks like he wears a cheap suit and smells of scotch eggs and broken wind, and I, I noticed he sat there with this little thing doing this, and I thought, oh god, he's operating the auto cue by hand. Okay, fair enough. Let's not let's not knock him too much for that. Um, but then they went live to Glastonbury. Okay, and whereas of course the BBC have got their coverage, uh, GB News have got a one on a phone like that, um, and. What you end up with, then, is this story about the Arctic monkeys who performed yesterday. And GB News are saying, oh, well, it went really badly. Oh, the crowd weren't happy because they played some of their songs too slow. The crowd were annoyed. Nobody enjoyed it. And I thought, bloody hell, this sounds quite bad for Glastonbury. So I went to iPlayer and I found it and I thought, let's have a watch. And all I can see is a crowd loving every second of it. And then Paul McCartney walks on out the blue and joins in for a bit. And I'm thinking, this is quite good. And I realise GB News just like having a moan. It's the TV equivalent of having Oliver Cromwell pop around to your house. So basically, I've not seen enough Russia. If Russia's going to implode, I feel I should be at the centre of being personally informed, ideally by the Kremlin. Yeah, just a chap turn up in a black sort of limousine. That sort of thing. He comes out and says, Comrade, we have a problem. And then he fills me in. Not in that way. No, no, not in a sort of hanging from a tree fighting a burr kind of way. Not in that. Not in a hanging under Hammersmith Bridge sort of way. Not of that. No, no, no. The umbrella up the Jaxi. Or the Bulgarian umbrella. No, I don't want any of that. Well, Spikey and Glastonbury was one Saturday morning. Hmm. At Glastonbury. Must have been, I don't know, 1995, maybe? Mm. I think it was 95. First year of the dance tent. Mm. Um, and that morning, I'd found... Mind you, it could have been afternoon, fuck knows. It was early. I'd found a little bag with three ecstasy tablets in it and some money. So I thought to myself, oh, great. Money, good, beer, right? Uh, so I bought some beer and I thought, well, you know, thinking about how fate works, they've got to be crap, these E's. Do you know what I mean? So I yeah. took one. Yeah. And I was like that. And then about 10 minutes after, I was like, mm, they are rubbish. Took another one. And then about 10 minutes after that, these are rubbish. Took another one. Mm-hmm. And then... Yes. Mm, you can imagine what happened next. Well, I can imagine the next couple of days were exciting. Well, apparently. I mean, there's a photograph <laughs> that I've seen, which right. does, which is interesting. <coughs> and the one of the girls who was there... Claire Toy, she said that I, she, when she turned up, I had eyes like Nucky Burr. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it all got a bit too much. Right. And I had to go for a walk. I was oh. like, because well, they left me. I said, well, look, I'm staying at the dance tent because higher intelligence agency are on, who I love. They're right. opening the dance tent. It's the first year of it. And, um, and so, oh, we're off to watch Billy Bragg. And I was like, off you pop. Go and have some yesterday. I'm I'm on the cutting edge, the tip of the spear with new music. Yeah. Anyway, the next thing I'm sort of literally sat on a rocket going off. It's like, fucking hell, fucking hell. Oh, I'm having a bit of a bad time here. I'm going to find them watching Billy Bragg. Right. So I wandered off. Must have walked round the side of us about 20 times. And I said to them, where's the whatever stage it is Billy Bragg's on? Everyone has stopped. I don't know, man. And then there was this hippie I kept walking past, and I was like about to ask him where Billy Bragg was on, because I wanted to find my chums, because I'm having a I'm having a bit of a bad time over here, by the way. Oh, yes, you yes. know what I mean? And he's just like, oh, spiky, spiky, <laughs> in me face. I was like, oh. <laughs> and then I passed someone <laughs> rattling that. a tin, asking for money for whales, and not the country. And I was just like, oh, shit, man. So I went, I got behind a big sort of like medievally looking stripy pointy tent thing. 
Mm. And I lay in one of the ditches on the side and just lay mm. on my side and played with my ear. I had a big ponytail at the time. And it was just like, right. And then the next thing, this sort of voice came into my head. And it was just like, right, imagine a beach. I was like that. Okay, I'm on this. I'm on this. I'll imagine a beach. Uh, it's like, right, there's music going. The next thing, the music from outside started to filter into my consciousness. And he's like, right, and there's a lot of people, and they're all dancing. And da, 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 da. and he went, and go! And I was like, woo! And I stood up. <laughs> so the sort of the come up had been <laughs> literally, you know, flying the bloody Lancaster bomber back from... Uh, Berlin with the undercarriage hanging off but I'd sort of landed and I was alright and it was like woo so I then went and watched Dread Zone who were on the nearby stage and I sort of come to dancing it weren't Dread Zone at all right it was just some uh, African band you know just on one of the little stages it was brilliant yeah but yeah I was back and yeah it was like the next three days were just completely and utterly off me oh I give the guy asking for money for Wales 50p oh okay because I was alright by then I oh, didn't that's... bother with Billy Bragg I was okay no I don't but know spiky. if I like Billy Bragg spiky yes well, yeah Billy Bragg Sam but I, it was I wasn't in that I, I'd had three little dolphins they had on them little embossed yeah. dolphins I'd had no, three of them that wouldn't put you in the mood to listen to some bloke who's banging on like he's a Ken Loach film set to music no I was it for me. flying. Mm. It took about two boxes of beer just to sort of bring me back to earth. Oh, yeah, that's a lovely memory. <laughs> I hope they're doing that. Again. It could have been. I could have. I was going to go to the yeah. St John's ambulances and say, "Look, I need to go to a mental institution now <laughs> because I've I've broke me brain, <laughs> and you've to help me." Um, yeah, and I, I, every time I was circling the cider bus and ooh, spiky and f- save the whales and all this business. Mm. Every time I passed the St John's ambulance, I was like, I'm going in. That's your lot. Mm. But it was just the come up. Wow, it was absolutely. You know how the Americans say, "Do you want to take the stairs or the elevator?" Yeah, I took the elevator. It sounds like it. <sighs> I think that's the last time. No, it's not. No. <laughs> <laughs> but um I've always had a fear of the St John's ambulance people. I'm not ah, sure why. I think Peter it's the uniform. Film. It could be that. It could be that, but I think it's the uniform. I always sort of got a bit confused when I saw them as a child. They're there in black with the caps and that sort of thing. So I I thought they were some sort of Orwellian thing. The, I remember St. once John's the first ambulance. Glastonbury I went to, which would have been ninety one, I'm guessing. How old was I? No. 92, I don't know which, 93, I think, actually, when the okay. Orb played, mm. when they did the UFO taking off. Mm. Wow. Oh, yeah. um, and it was swayed. And mm. it was like, so I think I'd have been like 19 or 20 or something like that. And me and this, there was this girl, I've no idea who it was, mm. um, a fellow suede fan. Yeah. And it was like, suede, 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 suede. So we just yabbered about in suede. And then she's like, oh, this I can't see. So I was like, oh, get on my shoulders. No. no. Bad idea. They played Why? for about an hour and a half. After about three minutes, my knees were going. Oh, I no. had this girl on my shoulders giving it the old, oh, dad, he's, she's driving me mad. And it's, oh. <laughs> but of course, at that age, you can't admit. Oh, God, no. You can't take the weight of a sort of very light student girl. 
No, absolutely not. Not when you're trying to gain your credentials. And then at the end of the gig, I think her boyfriend came over or something and she just went. I was like that. You twat. You could have had her on your shoulders for an hour and a half. Oh, that's not on, is it? Quite frankly, no. No, there must be something that you could have got her under, sort of trades description. Under the something. Geneva Convention. There'll be something, absolutely. Oh, that's so, outrageous. back to Putin's chef. Yeah, so yeah, psychotic Gordon Ramsay is apparently heading to Moscow. Really? Yeah. With tanks and stuff? He hasn't got any tanks, he's got nutters. Right, because what they did was basically, he didn't have enough nutters, and so he went to Putin and he said, All right, the way to do this is you know you've got all these nutters in jail who, like, eat people and things like that. Let them out. Give them to me. So his mercenary army is basically mad convicts. <laughs> Lunatics. Lunatics, and they are currently marching towards Moscow. So, yeah. Russian lunatics. Russian lunatics. Weapons I mean, grade. Oh, yeah, I mean, they must be the worst type of lunatics. Have you seen any of them videos on the internet and there'll be a guy holding onto the branch of a tree? Mm. Right. What was the one I saw? There's a guy hanging onto the branch of a tree and he's doing that thing, you know, where they lift the legs up and down? Like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Crunches. Yeah. Whilst a guy with a big branch thing whacks him in the stomach. And then I've seen another video where a guy is having a, a proper fight with a burr. Right, well, these will be burr? the people. Yeah, these will be the people who are oh, currently yeah. heading towards Moscow. I mean, they don't need tanks. They've probably just got burrs. Yeah. They'll, they'll be riding burrs into, into the Kremlin. I mean, it's, it's all kind wow. of exciting over there. Sounds and, it. And also, because, of course, we, there's a small amount of uh, restriction on what they're allowed to see and hear over on in Russia at the moment. And even saying it's a war, of course, you can't call it a war in Ukraine. You, if you say it's a war, then you can be jailed for saying the, that it's a war rather than a special military operation. So this bloke, however, of course, has access to the people because he was saying, ah, oh, we are winning. And now he's gone, right, let me tell you the truth about what's been happening. And he's told them the truth about the casualty figures and basically said, look, all the reasons that you've been told for this, they're all bullshit. So right. it's like, oh, it's been a proper kick off. Oh, Brill. Yeah. That's just what we need, more instability in the world. Well, I mean, this is the thing, isn't it? Because we're talking about this as a developing news story. I'm keeping my eyes here on, oh, um... Yeah, on the breaking news, uh, Putin still has to show he is in control after Wagner Mercenaries sees key sites in Russian cities, <coughs> says Steve Rosenberg in Moscow. Oh dear. So we're watching this as a developing story. The chances are, in about 10 years, of course, people will be watching this, like in threads where they're watching that episode of Words and Pictures on VHS. Maybe people will be watching this and, oh, they didn't know what was to come. When we've been invaded by mad Russians on burrs eating people at Dover. That would be quite something. Man eating burrs. Oh, I'd be straight up. No, that's me up to the Hebrides. Me, the hard drives, to the island. Few people are allowed in. Run the TV They'll find you. They'll be like swimming burrs. And they'll be on the back with a machine gun mounted on its head. I'm not having that. Mm. I don't want that. Well, you're going to have to have it now. You kind of made this happen. I don't... See that I'm responsible entirely. Mm, you you're definitely uh, complicit. Let's say. I mean, I'm trying to think of how it's possible. That yeah, I have some it makes sense involvement. to me. Well, okay, then I will take full responsibility for whatever comes next. So, are we going to save talking about this submarine thing? Or are you continuing? 
Uh, but we can we can save that or continue, whichever you wish. Do you want to talk about nice things that we've got? Yeah, I probably do. Okay, because I found we... my amazing world of Doctor Who and right. annual thing. We mentioned but... this last week, didn't we? It's not really an annual, though, is no, it? No, it isn't. I don't know what it is. You know, I don't even know how I've got it. Okay, so um, what it is is it's a mad book from is it nineteen seventy six? You're spot on. Nineteen seventy six, printed and in think, Italy. Oh, there we are. That's rather nice. Um, so basically, collect tokens from Typhoo Tea, and you could get the amazing world of Doctor Who. There we go. Look at that. Now then, there's this would a book have been actually quite informative for the time. Oh, Made it really is. Workshop. Yeah. Uh, some stories. Yeah. Napoleons on the slippery trail. Alpha Centauri. And the interesting thing is that the stories, I don't know if you've noticed, the stories are written in the present tense as well. Oh, I've not looked at it. They've got TV21 reprints. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's written in the present tense. Anyway, so this week, having not made it over to Record Store Day, arrives the album of The Amazing World of Doctor Who. And it's literally that that book being read out. So on side four, I imagine there is something where Louise Jameson is going to read to me about uh, the BBC Radiophonic Workshop. Um, I like the Sinister Sponge. The si- oh, I think, uh, if I got that illustration here? There we are, look. Oh. Uh, not that one. All uh, right, now this it's, is... The Sinister Sponge reminds me, there was a girl I went out with once and I found a uh, contraceptive sponge in the cupboard once when I was looking for some. I didn't even know they existed. Do they? Or is that something that... No, they do. They right. do. When, okay. I, when I was a child, um, I, I discovered my, my mother's contraception, which was um, a, a Dutch cap. Um, and I was thinking, oh, what on earth is this? Yes. That's something Bernard Hepton would wear. This is exactly what I did to entertain the guests who had come round for dinner downstairs. I, of course, have been sent upstairs. We're having dinner. You go upstairs now. And I come downstairs. Ah, look at me. Oh, dear. It didn't go down very well, that one. I didn't I'm sure why. that that is not in line with uh, the Church of England's um, edicts. What do they call them? Oh, no, absolutely not. But certainly mm. not wearing one on your head when you're about seven years old and trying to entertain people. Apparently that's wrong. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. Yeah, it would be. Um, anyway, yeah. Anyway, yes. Um, how did we get here? Oh, aye, the Sinister Sponge. Yes, the Sinister so, Sponge. So, so, I presume the Sinister Sponge is on it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've only listened to side one. I listened to side one last night. And it's, um, I mean, it's, it's a mental thing to put on a record, onto a double LP. Because... All the stuff at the beginning, if you look at the beginning, they've got the 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 history of it, sort of saying, and he was a white-haired old man who travelled with Susan. But then he changed into... And they do all that stuff. And then it's all being read by well, that. And it doesn't come with that. that. No, it doesn't bloody well come does with that. Come with and it should. poster? No, it doesn't come with the Typhoo poster. Mine does. Well, yeah, in 1976 it did. I mean, frankly, I think that... Who published this? It was the BBC... I think you, you missed out there and should have put the poster in, considering how bloody much it cost. I know, should... yeah, that is a misstep. That is. How much, much was is, it? Hang on, is it in there? It is must it? be. It's it's bloody not. It's not. They haven't put the poster in. Well, you're going to have to get a copy of the book. I'm going to have to buy the book now, aren't I? Should you yeah, see how 30... much it goes for these days? Go on, let's have a look. 30 quid I paid for the record, but double LP. Oh, that's no. all right. That's all right. I don't mind that at all. Um... So that was a rather nice thing uh, to to find this week. I was quite happy with that. Right, let's Ugh. see what this goes for. Go on. 
<clears throat> oh, there's lots of the albums. Exciting stuff. Oh my god. What? I thought you'd get that book for a fiver. I was hoping. Oh aye. Right, so the cheapest is fifty pound. What oh Wow. That's well, really you. surprised me. That I'm not paying that at all. That's but really then, surprising. It wasn't two hundred and seventy pounds. No one will pay that. No one will pay that. No, probably I won't. Probably not. Probably. Wow. All right. Well, I paid about whatever I paid for it. I have no idea. Uh, I'd well, probably had ecstasy at the time. No, nah, don't want it anyway. I used to buy job lots of collections on eBay. Mm. Uh, late 90s. And yeah. I just bought, like, cars full of stuff. Of, of uh, what sort uh, of stuff? Uh, Target books, yeah. VHS videos, the annuals, toys, all mm. that business. Yeah, no, I, I, I did that. Oh God, I bought. Um... No, I didn't. I got uh, my mate Al, who's a, who's a listener to the show, I believe. Al hello, gave me. Al. Um, hello, Al. Al gave me a set of um, autographed uh, postcards of the cast of Crossroads, which was rather. Mm, can't all be uh, winners, eh? Oh no, these are beautiful, like proper proper ATV ones, all signed. And then I had that flood, and they went. Wasn't that went? That? The, well, just destroyed in the deluge. Oh, the great flood of '66. Oh, the great flood of when was it? Twenty was it 2013? I think something like that. So yeah, gone, gone forever. But there we go. Um, yes, it was a bit. But anyway, so that's my nice thing for the week. Did you get anything nice this week? No. I, oh, I did. It's downstairs. I forgot. The Aphrodite Inheritance. Oh, I'll talk okay. about that when I've watched it, I suppose. Yeah, we can have a chat about that next week. But of course, we've both been starting a bit of a rewatch of Colditz, haven't we? Mm. <sighs> Splendid stuff. It's a weird one, that the first three episodes. Sorry. Aren't in Colditz. Four. Mm. Yeah, the first four are simply introducing the main characters. Yeah, that's right. I suppose the fifth five. one is, isn't it? Because that's the... Hang on, no. Four introduces... What's his name? The fella who ends up being quite dodgy in the real world, the American actor, Robert Wagner. That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, he comes in there. Apparently he's quite dodgy in real life. Well, wasn't there a thing? It was his wife with the boat. Potomac. No, boat. No, yeah. yeah, you're right. Yeah, it weren't the Potomac thing. Was it Natalie... Wood. Natalie Wood. Wood. And no one's yeah. quite sure what happened. Mm. No. But anyway. So but, he, he it's it's sort of those first four episodes. I think the first one is the story of oh god, my memory. Edward Har Edmund Hardwick. Hardwick, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. The second one is uh, I can't remember. The third one's Chris Neem, isn't it? Mm. The second one is probably uh, someone else. Who's yes. asked? Um and the fourth one is Robert Wagner. And mm -hmm. ah, I remember. So it's Robert uh, David McCallum in it. That's it. Yes, he's the second one. Yes. And the third one is who did we just say? Chris Neem. And yep. the fourth one, when it gets really here we go, is Robert Wagner, who's sort of at the beginning getting captured, and at the end when he arrives at Colditz. But in between, you've got the Jack Headley, mm. who's a brilliant character. Wonderful, absolutely stunning stuff. And Colditz, I mean. It's it's a BBC production, 1972 and 1974, two series, but with American money behind it. Is it American or Canadian? It's American. It's 20th American. Century Fox. Right. Uh, so it's um, 
there were a few of these deals around at the time. I think um, Moonbase 3 the next year was also 20th Century Fox, but the trouble is, it was bollocks. I mean, that's a terrible series. Mm, I believe so. Oh, it's nothing happens. But You've Ralph Bates, isn't it? it? It's Ralph Bates, Donald... Oh, God. Oh. Fiona Gaunt, all sorts of really good people. Michael Goff is in there. All these really Michael strong Goff. people. And the setup is brilliant. It's just basically, let's go forwards about a hundred, no, is it 50 years? I think it's set about now, basically, mm. on, on this moon base. International moon base, everyone living there. Brilliant. We've got this great setup. We're going to do it in the downtime in the summer in the studios where we would have been doing Doctor Who, but we've got American money. All that we need now are good scripts. Oh, dear. <laughs> this is where it falls down because what do we need to make it about? Policy and procedure, largely. Let's discuss yes. paperwork. Uh, and that's what it is. It's it's largely about paperwork until the very last episode where it looks like the the Earth has died out and they're preparing to gas everyone on the moon base to give them a quick end. Uh, but then it just turns out that it's because of uh, bad weather on Earth and they've just lost radio signals. And then it ends with this speech from Michael Goff, who's been championing the idea that we have to kill everyone, we have to do that. And then they go, you were wrong, you tried to kill us. And he goes, yes, I was wrong. But nevertheless, and then he does a speech, and then it ends, he goes, is that it? That's bollocks. It's one of the worst programmes I've ever watched. But that's got a lot of American money behind it. You wouldn't right. think so, because no. it looks cheap as chips. Colditz looks glorious. Colditz looks beautiful. It's astonishing. Is stunning. And the main reason it looks... The, the way the money's been spent is, first of all, on the cast. Because you don't get Robert Wagner and you don't get McCallum and you don't get people like that. It's not just them, paying. though, is it? I mean, it's oh, taught the cast. It's just Bernard Hepton, Jack oh, Headley, Edward but, Hardwick, Christopher Neem. But back then, these are all A-grade actors. Mm. They're not on equity minimum. They are people who can <sighs> command a I mean, Michael Goff in episode five... Mm. Um, or is it f no it's five um, when Hans Mayer comes in mm. who has got like this this sort of the face a, a cliff face he's like an Easter Island statue yeah. really isn't he oh, Whoa, man, he's, he's an amazing implacable. looking human being and Michael That's... Goff plays an alcoholic in that just so pitch perfectly I mean it's not Peter Glaze acting you know yo ho ho with a bottle of rum oh no there's none of that going on it's like he does a walk when he goes out the um, Hepton's office and he's just uh, he's like that uh, oh, where are you going and he's just like that I'm going to the doctor to report a case of flu because he's agreed that he's going to say he's ill because the SS, that's the great thing about the series. This uh, a, a dynamic very, very seldom exploited is the, the conflict between the Wehrmacht and the SS. Because mm, in yeah. everything, it's like, oh, they're just Nazis. Mm. Well, a lot of the Wehrmacht weren't members of the SS, uh, of the Nazi party, as far as I'm aware. Because mm. it's 1940, isn't it? It's very early in the war. That's right, yeah. Um, and the SS are coming in, aren't they, to effectively take over Colditz. Mm. Because they want to weed out the, the Wehrmacht. So Michael Goff's character being a pisshead, mm. it would be like, look, the Wehrmacht are all pissheads, you know, mm. they have to go. So he's saying, look, can't you just go and say you've got flu instead of being here when the SS come in? Because they're all Nazis. And mm. what they bring in as well is all the time when they're doing the Heil Hitler and that, you never see Hepton's character do it. No. And Goff goes, oh, God! He puts his head down, doesn't he, when the guy does the uh, Heil Hitler bit. Yeah. Um, but he does a walk as he walks out of his office 
and it's not it's it's a drunk walk but it's mm. it's the way that drunks walk it's not it's not yeah. Jimmy James who was a fantastic drunk actor despite being teetotal mm. it's not that comedic drunk it's just right I can't yeah. even tell you why it's just right it's just right oh, Goff uh, is an observer or he was an observer his characterization work was incredibly subtle I mean if you listen to how he was certainly when you listen to Annika Wills because they were married for a while and, and the way that he was as a husband all right, he wasn't particularly a great chap there but as an actor he's an observer and I think that's why whatever you watch him in even when he's in the Batman films playing Alfred the subtleties of performance it's all in the eyes with Goff and it's the eyes and the voice that voice is magic absolutely just perfect so you've got someone there who's an observer and let's face it, if you're working in television in the 70s, it's not that difficult to observe people who were proper drunks back then. Mm. So that Our society ab- at large. Well, yeah. But that, that ability to observe and to mimic is is stunning in what Goff does. So, you, so with Colditch, you've got, not only have you got the fact that you've got this amazing cast, but then you've got the set when they're at <sighs> Colditch's castle. And when I first watched this, must be 20 years ago now, I'm watching this, and I'm thinking, well, how the hell have they got permission to do this amount of location work at Colditz? I can't work out what the arrangement must have been, because they must have shut the whole place down for them to be able to film it. And it's a set. Mm. It's a set at Elstree Studios. It's just... It's perfect, and it's so well lit Mm. that it looks like the real thing. There's your American money. There's it's, where the it's, money went. It's not just the the brilliant sets, though. It's the it's the dressing of them. I mean, oh yeah, when you're in the offices and that those 1930s Bauhaus chairs and mm. all the other stuff. I mean, it's absolutely perfect. The the Chris Neem episode where he ends up because he was brought up in Germany, wasn't he? So he goes back to Germany. When they're kind of interrogating him and trying to fathom out, I think they're trying to fathom out if he's going to be a, a useful asset, a plant in Colditz, or something like that. Yeah. And so he goes back to Germany and has dinner with Reinhardt or whoever he grew up with. Mm. Um, and oh, those scenes and that's... Oh. They're the perfect. That set, I, I, you've just brought it back to me, the set, and it's got an archway towards the back. It's, I haven't got to that episode yet, but that set's still it's there. It's total Junger Stieler. It's... it's oh. Bang on. So it's not just the, the fact that they had someone who understood that era and mm. understood the year zero approach of Germany post-expressionism. Mm. Um, it's it's that they had the ability to acquire mm. all that stuff. I mean, the candlesticks are mm. even Bauhaus. The, the everything about the glasses, the decanter, everything. And this is what we you know we we've said before. This is where we've lost so much because at TV Centre where you had you know you had costume and you had props you've got Lorraine and, now oh have you got rain there Lorraine oh Lorraine Lorraine's there now Lorraine's in TC3 where they would have shot Colditz Lorraine's <laughs> in the drama studio I'm not happy with that no. I know Absolutely you're not. not. Oh, oh, sorry. As of today, uh, on the weekends from Studio Three, you get the Ot Mabusi show. Absolutely I, not. I don't want to watch that. But anyway, well, yeah. the other thing that they had, of course, was, and I think we may have mentioned this before, is in about 1950, there was a job lot of um, actual German 
uh, uniforms going from World War Two. Every rank, every area, every everything. And they're bit, they've been collected up after the war. Right, well, what do we do with these? BBC. And the BBC bought them. And they bought all this whole thing. So when you watch Colditz, it's not that they've done good costumes. They're wearing the proper gear. Mm. And it's Same as with Secret it. Army. Same with the Lower Low. Those are authentic all but the, the way British through. British uniforms are the same. Those RAF great coats that they mm. wear are spot on. Yeah, because they are thick material. Because they are the real thing, you know. That's, but unfortunately, of course, now the um, the costume department was sold off. Uh, when was that? Good twenty five years ago. Now costume was sold off all over the place. Um, I know recently someone posted because they'd hired an outfit. Um, to go to uh, a, a fancy dress party and they had no interest in the show or anything like that and they showed the label in there and it was part of Troughton's Doctor Who outfit it was wow. the coat from that and it was just in some costumier place down south that you could hire and take to a party dickheads for selling that off but then we're doing that, aren't we? It's like at the moment now we've got the English National Opera being charged. Yes, you can have funding, but you've got to leave London. And so they're like, right, okay. Um, That's not a bad move, though. It is a bad move. It's a stupid move. Right, because they're talking about bringing it to Liverpool. Do That's we good. Have a... No, it's not. Why? Because we've got a lot of people who like going to the opera. No. Well, you never know. Yes, you do. Well, you do, yes, you but do. You, you also don't. You do. Because also what you need, because opera, let's be honest, it's quite niche. They probably do a Benidorm opera, though. Well, they can kiss my ass on that one. I'm not when having any you, of when that. When did you last go to an opera? Um, I went to see... God, what did I see? Uh, Madam Butterfly in 2018. Only six, five years ago. Yeah, but there has been a small amount of COVID that closed everything. Ooh, not for the last three years, dear. Not for the last three years. I've been busy for the last three years. I've seen opera. I've seen me opera. I saw anyway. The Marriage of Figaro. Oh, I love The Marriage of Figaro. Mm. But, the Liverpool no. Empire. Yeah, how full was it? Can't remember. It was when I was at school. Yeah, I bet you didn't have any trouble getting seats for it. But my point is, opera's fairly niche. So if you put it in a massive city like London with a population of 6 million, you're going to be able to fill it. If you bring it to a city like Liverpool with a population of, what is it, less than half a million? Hmm. You're not going to do that. It just it doesn't make sense. It's this whole ridiculous thing of going, well, we're, we're not London-centric. Like the Radio 1 breakfast show, all of a sudden, from next week, from Cardiff. Why? What's the point? They'll move What's... it back to London. It's just getting paid both ends of the transaction, isn't it? Precisely. Anyway. You'll, end up, you'll end up like BBC Breakfast. You'll end up moving to Salford and then going, oh, none of the guests want to come to Salford. No, they don't, because they're all based in London. Why do they want to come to Salford? Don't be stupid. No one wants to go to Salford. Certainly not to Absolutely watch, not. Certainly not to Old Trafford. No. Um, so, another nice thing this week, which is yes. a new acquisition, speaking of music and Liverpool, mm. is this. The mm. triple 1970 album by George Harrison, All Things Must Pass. That oh. is a stunning album. This was um, when my mum uh, had her chap when I was about 13 or whatever she met, the man they call Barry. Mm. Uh, the man they call Barry, in order to ingratiate himself toward my mother, gave mm. me all his Beatles albums and his uh, George Harrison albums. Oh. So All Things Must Pass, I kind of, mm, it was all right. I liked the odd track on it. Yeah, but, whew, I tell you what, 
It's one of the best albums you will ever hear this. Uh, it really is. Tracks like Wah Wah and uh, Isn't It a Pity and Let It Down and stuff like that. Phil Spector's production, um, Clapton's playing, Badfinger's playing, and the songs that he must have amassed over the past... Well, I think it's somewhat like from about 1966 onwards, the Beatles mm. were rejecting his songs. So he had this huge backlog of tremendous material. Just looking as well, actually. You know what? You can pick it up for about 30 quid. Yeah, yeah. It won't be expensive. That's quite something. It's got a nice poster of George with it. Yeah, they won't put that in my box, of course. Like the Typhoon one. Yeah, that'll be removed. Well, it's absolutely superb. What an album. Avoid the remixes. Right. Which are, meh, meh, meh. The, some mm-hmm. of them work, some of them don't. So, for example, if you get on Apple Music, you know, and you, well, not yourself, but when you're traveling somewhere and mm-hmm. you just, all right, let's put it on that shank. It's in the car, you're laughing. Mm. The remixes aren't, I mean, it's not a very well mixed album, this, but it outsold uh, both McCartney and Lennon's debut releases. Really? In, the, in 1970, even though it was a triple album and even though it cost a lot more, George was the man back then. And mm. honest to God, it's superb. Yeah, you know it is just so good. Behind the locked door, the song he wrote to uh, Bob Dylan and and stuff like that. What is life? I'm not was so keen it, on my was it sweet What is Lord. life? You played to me this week, which was no, the one it, was, you played? it was the track. All things must pass. Ah, uh, right, okay. It's which hypnotic, though, isn't it? Mm. When you when you hear it and you're not ready for it, because I know all things must pass. Yeah. And you you know with certain tracks, you go, oh yes, that's a very nice track. And then you hear it and you go, oh, it's not a very nice track. It's it's transportative. It does something else. It's, it's what we yeah. were talking about last night, isn't it? It's transcendent. That transcendent. It yeah. just that album is transcendent, which mm. ironically, with George's interest in uh, spiritual matters in Krishna and stuff like that, mm. uh, which is woven throughout it. But songs like. Um, I mean, Wah Wah is a song about the Beatles breaking up. He wrote that on the afternoon when, uh, on the 10th of Jan, 1969. If you've watched Get Back, uh, the Beatles doc, the uh, Phil Jackson one, Peter Jackson one. God, mm. it's too early. Mm. Um, <laughs> he leaves George on the 10th of January. He's had enough. After eight yeah. days, he goes He goes to Warrington. Um, so that's where his mum and dad lived. Mm. Uh, he goes up to Warrington, and then he comes back. And he went that afternoon when he left, before going to Warrington, he wrote Wah Wah. Which is also, it's it's obviously the wah-wah pedal. You've given me a wah-wah, but it's a headache. Mm. <laughs> I love that. You give me, give me a wah-wah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and it's about the Beatles breaking up. Yeah. Um, you know, the lyrics to wah-wah. Um, uh, you made me such a big star, being there at the right time, cheaper than a dime. You know. You made oh. me such a big star. Uh, I, and, I've and not so done the full uh, documentary yet. I have done... I did one episode which randomly came on after um, my eldest was watching something on... Is it Disney or Amazon? Mandalorian or whatever. Yeah, it will have been that. And a random one came on. And I did enjoy it, largely because it seemed to have an awful lot of shots of them in studio. And Yoko's there. And whenever she starts with that... And all that, you've just got Paul McCartney's face, just like, oh god, it's uh, the, the expressions on McCartney's face. Uh, well, if you watch the original moments. movie that was cut from all that material, Michael Lindsay Hogg's 1970 movie, Let It Be, it's hmm. quite crap. And also because they asked him to expand it from six, I think 16 to 35 mil, 
the grain is really emphasized obviously yeah. and it looks yeah. dark and it looks horrible um yeah. but what they fathomed out i mean very early when you watch get back george is, is straight on it he's like so those things are going to record everything we say as we as we're talking are they and it's like, well, yes, of course they are. And so they fathomed out very early. If they wanted to talk, they turned their heads from the camera and strummed the guitars. So you couldn't uh, hear them. But yeah. with the AI, they've removed all the guitars. And so you can hear them just twiddling away, but it's, they're talking about Alan Klein. They're talking about uh, everything. Oh. I mean everything. I mean, one, one famous scene in it after George has left, Yoko and John go up there on the Sunday night when he's back from Warrington mm. uh, to talk to him, you know, to convince him to come back. Well, Yoko speaks for John, which right. pissed pissed George off, apparently. Yeah. I love how I'm talking about this as if I know. Mm. Um, <laughs> and then when they co when he come back on the Monday, John and Paul, he's like, they had a conversation, you know, because they wanted to get George back. Mm. Um, get back. And they went, Michael Lindsay Hogg, orchestrated it so they'd sit at a certain table in the canteen and mm. he puts a microphone in the vase of flowers on the table because he wants that conversation for his oh. film so when he got the recording back it's just cutlery plates chitch you can't hear a bloody word mm. but with the ai peter jackson has stripped all that away oh. and in the film you hear that conversation Oh, and it's it's actually quite tender the conversation. It's like you always do this, Paul. You always do. I know, John. I know. It's just that I want to blah 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 blah. And he's like, but you can't. And it's 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 like unscripted, obviously. And it's just mm. two mates who've known each other since they were kids. Now chatting about know, another mate. Do you know that's the second time they were caught by a microphone in a vase? You just broke up a tiny little bit, Gwed. I'm sorry, dear. Do you know that's the second time they were caught by a microphone in a vase? And this is brand new. Oh, Bizarrely, God. this is very, very new stuff. So, 1963, uh, the Beatles played a live gig. Oh, the school? At the school. Oh, right? was that, that the same job? It, well, so, they played that gig at the school, and that tape now sits in uh, the British Library, and there was a full thing. I must send, I'll send you the link, and I'll put it on the um, Nice Things Twitter. Oh, I was speaking to Mark Lewison about this. The other uh, you know, we do like to chat. Um, and so they, they, they did this gig in 63, and of course, because it's the boys' school, you haven't got the sound being drowned oh. out by screaming girls. You can actually hear them performing. So they found that tape, and it now sits in the British Library, and you can go and you can listen to it, and that will be released at some point, obviously, mm -hmm. all cleaned up. But then, by pure chance, would you believe it, a second tape turns up from the same occasion, but it isn't anything to do with the boys' school gig. Basically, someone involved with the school was asked, oh, can you, can you do some tea for them? Because they haven't had anything to eat. So this woman... She cooks their dinner for them, and the dad of the family goes, hang on, I've got an idea here. He's got an old open reel tape recorder, and he plants a microphone in a vase behind George Harrison's head. Click. Off we wow. go. And they've got the whole of them eating dinner and just chatting recorded. And that's at the British Library as well, all cleaned up. And uh, so they were playing excerpts of all of that. And speak it was interesting on on the dock. And so, like I said, I'll put a link to it on the NT Twitter. It may not be on for long, so if you want to listen to it, you know, this the Radio Four one. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it was front row this week. It was a special. Um, and they're talking in there, 
the the chap who owns the tape and he's owned the tape since 1963 when he was a pupil at the school and it's still there and it's still in the original box and then he has to give it away to the British Library and he said it's the strangest thing because it's just been there this mm. thing that and it's right that it's given somewhere because because as he said I'm getting on a bit now so mm. it's right that it's there but that whole thing of actually giving it to someone he said was a very difficult very emotional yeah, thing to do yeah it would be it, would it, it be. really would be. But fascinating to hear them just have a chat. I mean, nothing like Get Back, because they didn't have any idea that they were actually being recorded. So it's just the most boring, normal, mundane chat. Four Scouse lads having a chat yeah. whilst they eat yeah. lamb. Oh, yeah. It's glorious. The stuff, stuff that's in that Get Back is astonishing. Mal Aspinall's mm. just steals so much of it. Mm. I mean, he always said, Mal Aspinall, that he'd... Um, He'd been sort of he'd he'd, been, he'd contributed to Beatles <coughs> lyrics and songs. He worked with Paul and stuff like that on songs. Um, and in the film, you see because he's he's like really happy. He's doing the anvil on uh, Maxwell's Silver Hammer, not the version on Abbey Road, obviously, but they're just running through it. Um, and he's there's a section where he's sat with McCartney, and he's like, "Oh, well, how about say this instead of that?" And he's mm. contributing to the lyrics. But of course, every five minutes, it's like, "Get us some fags, Mal." <laughs> Mal's off down the shop. What I love about it is you've got the biggest stars in the world, and Mal, who was driving the van for him and like going for fags for him in 1962, is still there. I mean, Alan Klein got rid of him and Derek Derek Taylor the next year. These guys have been living off you for the last ten years and stuff right. like that. Um, but um, yeah, it's a great it's a great film. And what's been popping up the last couple of months is uh, AI v- versions of new Beatles songs AI's just been and they've been pretty crap to be honest but someone sent me one the other week called Banana Phone have you heard that? No I haven't no yeah it's it's getting the really? it's getting it really is getting the it's it's like a sort of um, you know one of uh, McCartney's faux 1920s sort of tea time jazz Beatles numbers like Honey Pie or something like that this isn't the one is it which no you want about the new Beatles track coming out? The new one, where no. yeah, and and Lennon's basically recorded it, and it doesn't sound great. And, and they've it's used the AI, just, and they've used the AI, and that's going to be released. So it's not yeah. that one. No, it's not that. It's completely just some guy on the internet has got. If you go on his YouTube channel, he's got an AI Lennon, an AI Harrison, and he's got McCartney doing um, "Thingy uh, Beautiful Boy," the Lennon number, uh-huh. and he's got Lennon doing McCartney songs, <laughs> shit like that, and the bang on i mean you can go on his youtube channel and hear it a year ago being pretty uh, 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 you know all yeah. over the shop and only a year later now this trap banana phone it's, it's like a it's very it's like a crap beatles song one that they but, chuck away but it but does sound the like them all that you need now is someone who's a good lyricist no 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 the ai does it no, honestly, I'll send you the link to, really? to Banana Phone. It is, you'll just be like that. No, stop it. Smash the machines. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? Because at the moment, I mean, we seem to be stuck in this rock and a hard place thing. Of, I'm either going to get killed by machinery or by a Russian psychopath riding a burr. I don't want or, to. Or uh, an AI Russian psychopath. I mean, how how soon how soon is it going to be till we can't trust what we see on the news? Are here oh, on the news. I know. I mean, it could be AI generated. I mean, it's. 
Hmm. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So well, submarines, yellow submarine to submarines. Well, this is the thing. I mean, if I don't want to get killed by the machines or by the, the mental people on birds, I suppose I could get in my machine and, uh, oh, no, I can't do that anymore either. Well, um, so this week I've been back on social media because, mm. uh, yeah, because I wanted to put some stuff out there. Okay. Um, so I went back on, dipped my toe, um, and in, what surprised me about it is that the submarine story, which you kind of mentioned in work this week, yeah, yeah. Um, has been so politicised. Oh, yes. That's really surprised me, to be quite honest with you. It's like, hang on a minute, just let's make a, what is it called? A, oh, it's not a non-value judgment. Value-free, whatever it is. Value-free yeah. judgment, whatever. Okay. Five human beings yes. dying. Yes. That's it, really. That's what's gone on. Well, it is, but yes, maybe there's a bit more to it than that. I mean, first of all, well, you've got to think about the fact that you know you've got all these people diving down to the Titanic. It's in international waters, and essentially, things are just being robbed from it, which I didn't realise till this week. But so, they can't get out of this thing, can no, they? How you can they rob you've stuff? Got, you've got subs with arms that can take stuff. So, to give you an example, um, recently they realised that the the phone. Which was uh, which was there and would have been the one where they received the phone call. It's an iceberg up there, vanished. It's gone. It's been I, taken. I don't know about that. I mean, everything down there will be bloody Barnacle Bill. It'll be covered. It's, but it's not though. That's the thing. It's not. It's things are going. Okay, things are vanishing. And when you watch the experts on the news, that's what they're talking about. They're saying it is basically stuff is still being taken, and an idea has been put forwards now. And this would have been impossible until quite recently, where they're saying, what you want to do is just get the hull up. Because that's the bit everyone recognises. Get the hull up. And this chap is an expert on all this stuff, and he's saying, no, it is quite possible that, you know, you could actually bring the hull up. You take it back to Belfast, you put it in the dry dock Titanic was originally in, and it'll stop people being mad and thinking, well, I think I'll dive down there. So there's maybe some merit to that. I know that lots of people will say instantly, but you can't do that because if you bring it to the surface, it will collapse. However, he's yeah. saying this, yeah. Now he's saying that well, that's bullshit. And at the end of the day, you've got to remember things like they did bring the Murray Rose up after 500 years and that's sat there. Uh, and you can have a good Do they still have to spray it with water? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's still yeah. being sprayed. I don't know yeah. if it's a constant spray or it has to be kept at a certain humidity, but yeah. But something like that. So... So we've got that. And then you've also got the fact that by them going down, it's destroying the bloody thing, which I didn't realise, right? But when you send one of these shitty subs down, to get it back up, it's got to lose ballast, right? And so the ballast that they're using is just like iron pipes or rocks or something like that. And quite often what they're doing is they're over the Titanic and then they go, right, release the ballast, and it's putting great big bloody holes in the Titanic so they can come back up. Surely not. Seriously. Does stuff work like that down there? I mean, Seriously, is this is what they were saying. I know, this but is... you dro- I, I get what you're saying. You drop a load of heavy shit onto something fragile and it busts. But down there, would it not merely float? I think, I think gravity still applies to an extent if you're dropping massive Isn't there things? atmospheric pressure? Well, there is. different but... down there. Well, there resistance is resistance from the water pressure. Yeah, but if you drop iron yeah. through something that's been underwater for a few hundred years that's partly made of wood, it's going to go through it. 
Right, okay. So you've got that, and that's why things like... You used to be able to see the captain's bathroom and his bath. Gone. Right, it's obviously in a lot better... A lot, a much better condition than I presumed. Well, this, this is what I'm thinking from what I was listening to this week. So yeah. anyway, so the ultimate, the, the story basically here is you've got this submarine that was not fit for purpose. Um, the the combination of metals that it was made out of, I think, twenty years ago, Richard Branson uh, with the Virgin Group, they were looking into building a submarine out of this so that they could do a similar thing, and they realized well, it's carbon it, fiber, isn't it? It's not metal. That's it, carbon fibre. But it, no, it's combined with titanium. That's okay. the thing. It's, it's a combination. And what uh, Branson or the Virgin Group realised was it's fit for purpose once. And after right. that, every time, you're dicey here. This may not be go too well. Isn't the waiver you have to sign, like, it mentions death three times? It mentions death three times on page one. Oh, no. Okay. Now, therefore, you know it's a risk. Each of these people paid £150,000 to get into this, basically, looks like a dog food can to me, and down you go. But it's a tragedy when anybody dies, but ultimately is this a story about rich people who've died because they were trying to grave rob? I don't know. Is that controversial? Probably. Why does that thing grab stuff? No, that thing doesn't, but other things do. And I don't know, you're either going to treat it with respect and you're going to treat it as a monument, in which case you don't bloody need to go down there. You certainly don't need to go down there and spend 150 grand each to have a look at it. It's not like you can get out and walk about the damn thing. And this sub, incidentally, when it got down there, it couldn't even find the Titanic. Then they had a little app that they would have to use and the app would say, oh, go over there. Um, and did you see it was controlled by literally by a, a PlayStation yeah. controller? It's it, a little bit cobbled together, but it seems that what happened is it's just gone down, and then it's just lost pressure and it's imploded. Mm, I've seen quick. the graphic. Yeah, <clears throat> quick at least. Yuck! Very quick. Yes, Ooh, that's the story. You know, it's uh, silly, basically. Very, but very. Did silly. it really happen? Yes, it did. Why? What are you going to say? Because, like I said, it's been so politicised on the internet. There's tons and tons of different posts on there. There's tons of conspiracy theories. That's because people are arseholes. Well, regardless of that, I'm, I, I get my lowdown from you. I've just told you. Well, absolutely. Well, no, I mean, but, yeah, you'll always get nutters who will what say, What was his ah. name, the Enron guy who owed, owed a load of money? And then yeah. he had... Ken Lay, was it? No. Isn't that a form of food processor? I don't know. Uh, yes, I have no idea. Um, yeah, there was a an Enron guy who was about to be fined or pr- imprisoned for like billions going missing, and right. then he died. And there's tons of photographs of the on the internet of him in like South America and stuff like that. Is it one of those things? But but you've just been saying about how basically computers can recreate John Lennon. I wouldn't be shocked if they that can, was like ten can... years ago though. Well, Photoshop's been around a while. He did look like... He does just look like a bloke, though. There's nothing well, there sort go. of... Uh, there what you go. call it? There's nothing distinguishing about his features. He just looks like a bloke. Well, there you are. Mm. No, I, I, it happened. Unfortunately, it's a story of man's folly, isn't it? We want to go down there and we've got enough money. <laughs> well, you can't take it with you, I'm afraid. Invincible billionaires. Exactly. Yeah, nothing uh, can touch us. God, I just wouldn't. No, I God, no. I wouldn't go near it. Well, I wouldn't go down in not. the sea like that. No. Well, 
You know what? I think if you're going to do it, do it properly like James Cameron did, in a proper submarine with arms and stuff. But isn't he involved with this thing? Isn't he God, an investor no. in it? No, no, no. He was I'm on the sh- news. No, he was on oh, the news right. basically saying this was mental. Oh. That's as far as James Cameron's gone. You know, he's done a lot of dives down oh, there. Oh, yeah, he that's loves right. it, doesn't he? Yeah, the last ten years uh, since the film has. Or oh, maybe before. Yeah, well, yeah you're constantly. quite right. Yeah, yeah, Up yeah. and down all over the bloody place, James it, Cameron. But that, he was the one who basically said, no, that's it, it was mental. That. He shouldn't have done it. He didn't say it was mental, obviously. Can't quote him. But, no, he was very much of the opinion that this was an incredibly stupid act of folly. Wow. So there we go. So it's been a bit of a newsy week, hasn't it, with all that stuff? It has. Well, I mean, you've <clears throat> you've got me up to date. Have I missed anything else? Um, I don't think so. They still haven't brought Juliet Bravo back. Obviously, that's the Robot news. Robot Burr's we're... marching on Moscow. Right? We've, we've got, got that. that. Uh, um, we've exploding billionaires because they're trying to rob graves. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, news just in, uh, oh. live. Um, of course, this is useless because we're recording. Uh, yeah. But those the Russian mercenaries have just seized a second city. Whoa. That's two cities they've got since yesterday. Um, oh, dear. Wow. Dear, dear, dear. Um, yeah, uh, apart from that, what have we got? Uh, the Yeah, the Titan sub-CEO dismissed any safety warnings as baseless cries. Baseless? Cries. Mm. Now he's just a small pile of ash. Um, Rosk. Oh, well, here's some important news. Apparently, this is quite lucky because Ross Kemp was planning to dive down there to film something about the Titanic. So we can Ross all thank God Kemp. that didn't happen. Um, what else have we got? Uh, that's about it, really. That's the news. I mean, it's there's a couple of big news stories, but that's it, really. it. Monkeys being slow. Arctic monkeys were a bit slow. They didn't mention. They probably McCartney. slowed down for McCartney. They probably did because he's getting on a bit. Yeah, and he's the second like, one. Let's so do Mardi Bum a bit slower. Yeah, uh, Riot in... Van's a great track. Is it called Riot Van? I don't know. I don't. Here like come them. the Riot Van. Brilliant. Uh, uh, that's it. What else have we got? And apparently, oh, it's seven years since Brexit. Some people think it was great. Some people think it was awful. It hasn't changed. I, uh, I, we were playing Glastonbury when that happened. I remember waking up and everyone you... being cross. When what? Oh, Brexit. Brexit. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Woke up that morning of the vote. Everyone was jolly cross. Everyone was uh, jolly cross. And I the bass player of the Boo Radleys uh, is an IT teacher in Northern Ireland. Boo Radleys were fantastic. I love the Boo Radleys. Now, not as good as Doctor Fibes. Oh, I don't know. You know, Hazy Lazy Hologram. Oh, I remember watching them play Glastonbury. This is ninety. Four ninety-five, the Boo, uh, Boo Radleys, and they did yeah. a live version of Lazarus with this trumpet solo. Oh, oh man! Boo Radleys was... were. Don't get me wrong, absolutely superb, mm. superb. But then band. they went a little bit poppy. Well, they did, but I mean, they lose all perspective. It would appear that once you start getting some success and stuff like that, you kind of like even even if it's unconsciously, you start playing to your gallery and you start to you know listen to people who are saying, oh, "Well, if you do this, you know, you'll do that." And can we have more of this? And yeah, you know, it does happen. But yeah. uh, Doctor Fibes and the House of Wax Equations was stunning, absolutely stunning. I heard Doctor and the Medics live once, and I helped them put an amp in a in a car. Oh. I remember them doing Waterloo, didn't they? Wasn't that ABBA? Yeah, didn't they do a sort of pastiche of it? Was it Spirit Cover. in the Sky they did? Spirit the in the Greenbaum Sky, yeah. Track. yeah. And then uh, they did Waterloo. 
with Roy Ward, I think. From Wizard? Hmm. Oh. Who also likes Brexit. Does he? Hmm. Oh, it's all, it's all a big silly part of the broth. shit, isn't I it? I think if anyone gets their uh, political opinions from pop stars, I think they're on a pretty sticky wicket, really. Oh, I kind it's... of let them do what they do, which is entertain me. Oh, they all shit in the same pot, as your nan might have said. Mm. So Piss with her. Oh, My piss. nan used to say they stick like shit to a blanket. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. I know it is. <laughs> that's really unpleasant. <laughs> oh, God. Well, they were, they were much more uh, connected people to bodily function, weren't they? Well, the that's true, yes. No, that's no fear true. of that. So what does so... the next week hold, dear boy? More, uh, I'm guessing that there's going to be, like... A new bloke in charge in Russia, the chef off uh, Faulty Towers. It's possible that that will happen. I mean, developing new... By the time people see this, when will that be? Tomorrow, the, the people will see this? I've just realised the world's mental. Oh, it's proper mental. I have proper just realised, with all this crap we're talking about. Yeah. It is AI Beatles. Uh, Russian psychopaths riding burrs to Moscow. Robot burrs. Robot burrs with machine guns coming out their asses to Moscow. Yeah. Uh, what was the other thing? Billionaires on submarines Billionaires exploding on or submarines. imploding. It's all Becoming mad. a political football. Uh, absolutely. You know. Yeah. It's all proper mad. And let's be honest, the political thing to do with, the, with them going down there and doing that is ultimately because that's just people being a bit bitter because they can't just spend 150 grand. I'd like to have 150 grand. Precisely. I'd like to have that sort of money. So I'm not going to be bitter because I haven't got it, but I'd like it. Nah, there's no point in that. No, not at all. Well, who needs it anyway? Um, If it happens, it's nice. But, you know, I mean, it's it's one of those things. I don't sit here thinking about stuff like that. Hmm. It, it will happen if it's meant to happen. Precisely. But otherwise pointless. Be. So, no, I think this week for me... Well, um, well, I mean, tragic news uh, for all concerned is that my Blu-ray player has died. I have to buy a new one. And Angela I'm... Thorne. Angela Thorne. And Glenda Jackson, who we didn't mention last week. Glenda Jackson. We should Which mention these unforgivable. people, unforgivable. Okay, so, Angela Thorne first. Well, I mean, if you watch her as, as Thatcher... In, in anyone for Dennis. It's superb. We were talking about this 12 months or more ago. Yeah. <clears throat> just happened to see it, and it was just like, Jesus Christ. You know, because you're sort of used to Janet Brown. Faith That's right, Brown? yeah. Yeah, yeah. Janet Brown. Yes. And it's kind of like that Mike Yarwood version of it, isn't it? But yeah. when you see Angela Thorne doing it, it's just like, wow, this it's is pr- this is proper acting shit. job. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Was it John Wells as Dennis in that? Yeah. It's yeah. stunning. I love John Wells. Yeah, you can't oh, like John Wells. You can't. He was in um, it's a dreadful sitcom. It was the last job he did. Thing. It was called Chalk, which was about teachers, and it was a Stephen Moffat sitcom. But John Wells was in there for the first series, and he, oh, there's something about him which I can't even quantify. Weren't we on about three up, two down the other week? We were actually. Yeah, about we the were. theme music to Three Up, Two Down. So you've got Angela Thorne there, but to me, Angela Thorne is the next door neighbour from To the Manor Born. Of which course. Which is pure cosy telly. I There's no cosier. That. That's like a, a warm bowl of soup it after is. walking across West Kirby Beach it on a is. winter's day. It's perfect. It is, it is the BBC in one programme to The Manor Born, really. I'm not a fan. I didn't think you would be. I'm not a fan, but I can appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then Glenn Jackson. Oh, love him. 
Yeah, he's Love great. Brabinger. Love him. And I the love dog, Peter Bowles' mum. You love her? Oh, Mrs. Oh, Mrs. Pooh, as she yeah, would know. Yeah, she's great. Absolutely. Wonderful. But yeah, Glenda Jackson. Glenda Jackson. A titan. I mean, someone who started in Amdram. There's a wonderful picture. I must try and find it and send it to you uh, from an Amdram production. And it's one of those where they've got the whole cast there and have gone, right, pose. So someone's pointing like that and somebody else is doing, you know, hand to the forehead sort of acting. And there's Glenda Jackson as a maid at the end looking a bit pissed off. And I think mm, she didn't want to do that. And that's about 20 years before she was, of course, Elizabeth R., which is a stunning, wow. stunning Elizabeth R. is just, yeah. That's Unbelievable. Just, it's too good. Elizabeth it is too R. good. That it's, was a UK Gold Sunday night job when I first saw that. It was, yeah. Well, they did uh, Hen- uh, Six Wives of Henry VIII and then straight into Elizabeth R. Sunday yeah. nights. Hour and a half uh, episodes. But you know what? Still rehearsed and recorded within mm-hmm. a week. Four days rehearsal, but then it was given three hours recording because it was an yeah. hour and a half long. So they're they're perfect. They are. They are perfect. still perfect examples. Of, my of first memory of her is my mum was really into those George Siegel and Glenda Jackson movies in the seventies. A Touch mm. of Class being mm. one. Mm-hmm. Can't think. I think there was more than one film. I seem to remember it being so. like a little series of them because uh, it ob- <coughs> obviously worked. Mm. Um. Wow, no, just brilliant. But, I can't remember when she was on some Politics Daily or something like that, and it was something about smoking, mm-hmm. and it's like that, oh, well, I pecked up smoking, and she hadn't at the time. I think she quit in the last couple of years, maybe. Yeah. Something like that. Um, I could be getting her confused with Diana Rigg. She may mm-hmm. never have quit. And um, he's like, how do you answer that one, Glenda? And she's like, oh, maybe you just cough more than me. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful, <laughs> but not delivered like that. Just delivered, brill. But when you watch her in the Commons, if you oh. watch any old footage of her, what I love is it's pure performance, and she plays the pause. And when the opposition benches and at her, she just waits and she just looks across them, and she waits for it to die down, and then she picks it up with this little cadence, and off she goes again. It's Oh, perfect. And Yeah, you know, that's the, dangerous in there. If you've got oh, a politician yes. with that ability. Ooh. Oh, yes. Absolutely. But a wonderful, wonderful performer. Um, and, uh, well, born in the in the town down the road from here. Yeah. Uh, the Glenda Jackson Theatre is still there. Um, wonderful. Uh, yeah. We're, we're yeah. losing the good ones, but I suppose we're bound to, aren't we? Oh, she must have been 80-odd. Oh, God, at least. Yeah, mm. late 80s, I think. But yeah. uh, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. So absolutely, okay. a nice note to end on after I all so. the bloody chaos. All the chaos uh, of the Bursley machine guns sticking out their asses. But it's like the Billix thing, isn't it? You know what I mean? You put the news on war, death, famine, AIDS, and you look out the window and you're like, "Where's the shit happening?" Yeah, it's quite a nice day today, isn't it? Well, it's actually I'm. It's would you some thunder looking at the sky? Oh yeah, I think so. This but, leaden uh, pall. Yeah, apart from that, uh, there's a hose pipe band down south. Tough luck down there. All right, okay, well, that's yeah. what you get for living down south. It is. I think I should go and water the garden on that note. Yes, well, yes. it's only because you can't be bothered walking to the toilet. Absolutely. I've yes. done that joke four times now. You have. <laughs> it's out the young ones. Everyone a winner, though. Everyone a winner. Right, well, <laughs> yes. on that happy note, um, we hope you all have a lovely week at home, mm-hmm. whatever it is you're doing. Uh, and the same to you. Dear Thank boy. you, and you, dear. 
Um, and until the next time. Goodbye. Bye bye. <laughs>